I packed up our only TV from my own living room, stuck it in the backseat of my Honda Civic, and drove from Idaho down to Arizona and paid like basically all my life savings to attend this dentist conference in Arizona. I huh. stayed at my sister's house down there. Like it was on a budget, man. <laughs> I, if I didn't get a couple deals out of that, I would have to quit. That's where we were. <laughs> Welcome to the Hometown Founder Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs who are doing big things from small places. And now, your host, Kyle Rawson. Hey, everybody. Today on the podcast, we've got Stu Draper, who's the founder of Stukent. Thank you so much for being here, man. Happy to be here with you, Kyle. So I'm actually really excited about this because I've heard of you from a lot of people. You're, you're kind of a living legend uh, in our small town of Rexburg, Idaho, especially in the entrepreneurial community. Maybe take 30 seconds and kind of tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you're up to. Yeah, I am an entrepreneur at heart. Love it. It's my life. Uh, besides my family and church, it's my life. Awesome. So right now you are the founder CEO of Stukent. Am I pronouncing that right? Is that Stukent? Yeah. So what is Stukent? What are you guys all about over there? Stukent is a digital marketing courseware provider. We don't like to call ourselves publishers because we don't just do books. We do uh, digital marketing textbooks and simulations, and we're branching out from just digital marketing into other fields as well. Very cool. And. I know a little bit about your history, how you got into to digital marketing, but but not a ton. Maybe well, walk us back. How'd you get started with digital marketing? Maybe from college? Yeah, or, or? yeah. So in college, I had a professor named Kent Lundine, and that's where the Kent and Stu Kent comes from. Is uh, <laughs> we decided to name the company in his honor. Uh, he doesn't have any ownership or or work in the day to day operations of the business, but it played on the word student and. Mm-hmm. That's the first, uh, Stu's my first name, so Stu Kent's what the name of the business is. And I, anyway, so he gave me my first introduction to digital marketing, stood up in front of the class and said, hey, I don't know any more about this subject than you guys, but I'm really excited to learn with you. And I, I'm willing to do that because it's such an important subject for you all. And uh, because he was brave and took that chance on us and was willing to teach the, uh, such a new subject, you know, his students have gone over and made a huge difference in the world. We have Shane Snow, who's the founder of Contently, a multi-million dollar uh, content marketing business out of New York City. Mike Ramsey with Nifty Marketing. They're making a big impact at the national level with their local uh, internet marketing business. Then you have also, man, uh, folks at all sorts of other businesses doing things online, uh, mobile app companies that have been started and founded by colleagues from my class. So all, all these guys were in that class with you? And uh, just this one first, yeah, and it was his second time teaching it, his second semester. So if you were to wow. go and look at all the alumni from Kent's classes, he, mm-hmm. he has students all over the world doing really neat things in the digital marketing space. And he was This kinda... is just my class, and it doesn't even include an analytics uh, genius that's at Columbia Sportswear and some other cool brands like that. Huh. And, and this was just, I mean, it wasn't like Kent came in as an expert and taught you. He was kind of learning alongside with you during this class. Yeah. And now, I mean, how many, year, how many years ago was this? This was in 07. Oh, okay. So kind of the heyday of, of when this all, Got all started. started. Yeah, he 
2007, AdWords was really starting to pick up steam. 03 is when it really got off the ground, but by 07, more and more businesses were just joining every single day, and that's how they're $100 billion a year in revenue-plus company. You know? Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, you hear, especially in the entrepreneurial community, like, you know, college is important, but if you want to be an entrepreneur, like, you know, you go and, and you figure it out on your own. This story, though, I mean, that's a heck of a success rate from one class. I, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is neat to see. I, I think that uh, people don't understand the power of education. Uh, the, the mission of our company is to help educators help students help the world. Mm-hmm. And we know that if we can help educators, they can help students, and those students can go make a difference in the world. Everyone in education or in, ac- in industry bashes on education mm-hmm. that educate my my college degree didn't do anything for me everything i learned i learned from the field and first off i disagree with that i think that you don't remember how much of an impact your your degree had on your life yeah. I, I thought you know rather than complain about the fact that these students i'm hiring need more training in digital marketing i'm gonna go try and teach and so kent had asked me to come and teach as an adjunct and i did that mm-hmm. and i love teaching but i found that the curriculum was outdated and needed help. Everyone blames the professors. They think it's the professor's fault. We feel like it's the publisher's fault mm. that these professors have a lot of things on their plate and they can't be the one that also has to create all of the curriculum. Yeah. They need a partner in the publisher. And that's why we, we don't even call ourselves publishers. We call ourselves courseware providers because we want to, uh, we don't want to be given that same stigmatism that they have. So it sounds like you had, I mean, just a really cool experience in college with this awesome professor, clearly some other very successful classmates with you. How much of this new business, Stukent, is it's a great idea and so we're pursuing a great idea? And how much of it is almost like paying homage to the fact that like I got so much out of my education because of this amazing professor and his course and I want to I want to pay it forward. Uh, it's a mix of the passion that I have for the subject and that I love I like to help people and I love business and I and this is a it's a perfect mix. This, those stars have to align. You can't have one or the other. It's got to be everything. That's cool. I mean obviously a good entrepreneurial story is a good story regardless, but I love that there's kind of an underlying mission with with Stukent of the the content has helped your life so much and you are now doing the same for other you're you're kind of paying it forward and helping others achieve the same thing that you've kind of achieved it's like that day of graduation they all push you to give back later you know go make your millions (laughs) and give back later and I guess in a way, yeah, that's what I'm after. Kind of starting it. So, um, sorry, so let's get back to, to the story. So you take this class, um, you learn a ton from Kent Lundeen, uh, and then you, you graduate. Uh, what do you Where do you go from there? I got an internship because of the class doing digital marketing for a property management software company and doing sales for them really more. I was actually selling the service of digital marketing uh. to property, uh, these property management companies really quickly found that I was good at that, but I also learned really quickly that startups run out of funding. Mm. I got laid off by the company and uh, went on, won't name names, it's neither here nor there, right? (laughs) But uh, it was a great learning experience for me to be a part of that startup and see the weaknesses that they had and and learn from that. Yeah. But at the same time I was doing that, I was moonlighting as a uh, 
digital marketer for my brother-in-law that's a dentist in Salem, Oregon. Huh. StonesFamilyDental.com had three record-breaking months of new patients once I started moonlighting for them. Huh. And so we used that as kind of a testimonial. Yeah. And uh, rather than look for another job when I got laid off, I just started looking for other dentists that I could help with their online marketing. And that's how GetFoundFirst.com was born. That was my first, what I'd call, quote-unquote, real business, uh-huh. where we made real revenues, hired real employees, made our first real profits, and got off the ground. That's cool. So I'm obviously fairly familiar with uh, Get Found First because it, it was such a, a big deal and is uh, here in Rexburg. Uh, for those who maybe aren't familiar with it, maybe walk us through how you started, how you got started with it, uh, mm-hmm. and, and what that business did. So I always thought I want, you know, once I got out of high school, I thought I don't want to be my own boss someday. And I fell into entrepreneurship because I got laid off. I thought, you know, maybe when I was 40, I would walk away from corporate America after climbing the ladder and start my own thing. But I got laid off and I had helped my brother-in-law and he'd had this success. So I decided to just start using that as a testimonial. I remember I packed up our only TV from my own living room stuck it in the back seat of my Honda Civic. This is bootstrapping at its <laughs> finest, right? And drove from Idaho down to Arizona and paid like basically all my life savings to attend this dental this dentist conference in Arizona. Huh. I stayed at my sister's house down there like it was on a budget, man. <laughs> I, if I didn't get a couple deals out of that, I would have to quit. And that's where we were. I bootstrapped getfoundfirst.com and we went from zero to uh, hundreds of dentists and then and then from there we were able to get more experience under our belt and help other businesses mom and pop shops all the way up to fortune 500 companies we became a google certified partner and that was a big win for us by the time i sold in 2015 i just i'd had a managing partner and he was ready to move on and i had everything going with Stu kent and it found the right buyer for our company and we sold in 2015. Cool. I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate entrepreneurial success story right there. I mean, bootstrapped from, from pretty humble beginnings, it sounds like. And, and I mean, you probably, uh, you probably did all right when you, when you sold it, right? Yeah. Did great. And I, I think that it's really important for people to know that that bootstrap approach, you better have the right family and friends around you that can uh, deal with that because it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of uh, financial sacrifice. My wife was super supportive. We looked back at our tax statement from that first year in business and I made 15 grand. I mean, it was, you know, I was straight out of school. I didn't have a lot that people could trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have the money to even hire a developer to build me a website. So I built a Weebly site with my own money. Mm -hmm. That's how we got this thing going. And it was a lot of time and sacrifice. Yeah. So, so when you graduated and and started, or I guess when you got laid off and and started Get Found First, you were, you were married at the time. Yes. I mean, that's, it's, it's not just you crashing on somebody's couch. You're all of a sudden team, like. Did that, was that part of the struggle or? Uh, I think it was part of the reason we, it was part of the struggle for sure, but it was more importantly why we had success. When you have a wife and kid that. Oh, you had a kid at the time. We, I had my first son, Oof. our first daughter on the way, I think fairly shortly thereafter, but that drove me. Yeah. Uh, everyone wants to wait and figure out, you know, having kids once they've figured out how to make all their money in life. I've found that too many people live life thinking that they have to have everything figured out before they can take another step forward. And I live on faith that I'll find a way and I believe in myself that I can. And I, and, but having 
a spouse in your corner that's your cheerleader that you can come home to at night when you've had a, a rough day that believes in you is huge. Yeah. It was a big thing for me that really helped me and still does to this day. Sure. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more, um, if it's all right. So you, very humble, bootstrap beginnings. Uh, you've also got a wife, kid, another kid on the way. And under your belt, you've got you've got your one client, I guess your was it your brother your brother in law, dentist, uh, and yet you had this confidence that you just you knew you knew it was going to work. Um, you had the faith that it would. Lots were riding on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did that confidence come from? Um, did you ever have days when you're like, oh man, was it, did it was I just lucky with this one guy, or um, where where did that confidence come from? I had a buddy that was an entrepreneur, and he was he believed in me. He'd had success and I'd seen his successes that he was having. He was willing to jump ship, not jump ship, but jump on board with me. He still kept his other day job. But he was willing to jump on board with me and help me. Uh, there was huge demand, right? The, and I didn't know anyone else that was doing it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, think about how many digital marketers you know now. Sure. If you're a millennial, you know you have a handful of friends doing it. Right. But uh, in 2007, most dentists still hadn't done any digital marketing. Most of them had a brochure style website if they even had one Mm -hmm. and uh, it was different. So seeing that demand was huge. I wouldn't say that I'm like the most risk tolerant entrepreneur. Oh really? Um, Although that was, you know, I definitely took some risks, but I didn't have a lot to lose back Mm -hmm. then. And I think that's a great time to start a business is when you don't have a lot to lose. But I think some, you could say I was taking a risk, but I, at the same time, I mean, the number of thousands of small businesses that needed help when I was starting was a very high number of thousands, if not, it was probably hundreds of thousands of small businesses that at that exact time needed help. And we were one of two Google certified partners in, in the whole state of Idaho, even in like 2011. Wow. So three years late, three or four years after getting started. Yeah. I have friends who, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, it seems like lately entrepreneurship is is pretty hot. Like it's kind of like the sought after thing for, for, for a lot of people. Um, and I've, I have friends that maybe have ideas, things that they'd like to start, but they've also got kids and a mortgage and a, a, you know, a nice job. Any advice to someone in that kind of a situation who maybe like you is a little bit less risk tolerant, maybe given their circumstances of having wife, kids, mortgage, things like that. Uh, when do you know, or when do you know that your confidence is founded on truth enough to to start something. I think that the answer for everyone is going to be a little different and unique. Um, I, I, I kind of get jaded by the self-help books and things like that, that talk about if I can do this, you can do it. Everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. Every business model is unique. Every individual person and their make and model and family support and skill sets different. So I wouldn't say that there's one exact answer to this. What I would say is that when you have a lot of other people that are telling you, please do this, that's a great time to jump ship and do it. Mm. Uh, We did over a year worth of market research before I started StuCamp. We had talked to over 100 schools and found that 40% of them, Oregon, Texas, Tennessee, Marquette, Indiana, all these big name schools, weren't even teaching digital marketing. Oh, wow. So in 2015, this was 2013, 13. Yeah. And, uh, so it was like, okay, there's a market, there's a need here. These people need help, whether they even know they need it or not, there is a need. A lot of these people that were filling out this survey, we had a question at the end of the survey. If we built something that did this for you and this for you and this for you, would you want it? Hmm. 
And we had all these basically what we considered pre-orders where people are like, as soon as you build this, we're on it. We want it. You know, it makes jumping, jumping ship from whatever other ways you're making money uh, to going full time on it so much easier because you've proven that there's a need and a demand. And so if, if it's all right, I want to transition to how you built this huge digital agency in, in Rexburg, Idaho. I mean, that's such a small town. Was it difficult to do it from a small town? Do you feel like it was a benefit to do it from a small town? Like, how'd you do that here? The internet makes the world small, but at the same time, it took getting on the road, going to conferences and networking in real life to be able to have the success online and, and to make some of the networking connections that I have online because I had some connections that I'd made offline first. It is harder in a small town, I would say for sure, but you have lower costs in a small town and in a college small town, which by the way, most college towns are in small towns from my experience with Stucan, I've seen that. You can usually get some up and coming labor at a, at a discount because they're ready to add something to their resume. The last thing they put on their resume was their lawn mowing job or their babysitting job from high school. So they're ready for something real. So how much of being in, oh, actually, I don't even know. Are you from here or did you come I grew up in uh, Ridgefield, Washington, a small town just north of Portland, Oregon, a little ways. Okay. So what made you choose to build your business here and not anywhere else? <laughs> so uh, I missed a part of my bootstrapping story with Get Found First, and that is that I was managing apartments. So mm. when you manage apartments, you live at a discounted rent rate or free rent, plus they pay you for your hours fixing things. And that was a great way to bootstrap Get Found First. But because of that, it made it made it nice to stay while we were getting the business off the ground. If you make fifteen grand in a year, you better have free rent. Yeah. And uh, so it wouldn't have made sense for me to move and and have an expensive mortgage or rent while I was getting the business off the ground. Mm. So uh, that's why we initially stayed in Rexburg, my college town. And then the network just started making it harder to leave. Yes, my in-laws moved here about a year after I got married, but the real reason that we've stayed beyond family reasons is the network has grown and, and been built around the, the campus and the connections there. So Interesting. So, so you started in the small college town, basically out of necessity, you had free rent here. So why leave that sweet gig? And maybe, I mean, did you have plans to move it elsewhere once, once it was actually making enough money to pay, to yes. pay rent? Yes. We figured it, I needed to get to a bigger city to grow faster. We really figured that would be the case. Even considered pretty seriously heading over to Boise, which obviously is in comparison with some cities in this world, a very small town as well. But we liked that it was between both families and thought that would be a good place. But then the business just kept growing without the need to leave. Hmm. And uh, the talent that I kept acquiring was happy to stay. So we did. And it's been good ever since. That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously this podcast is geared towards uh, people who are starting or wanting to start businesses in small towns. Do you think that uh, given that it's 2017 and the internet is reaching maturity, that it is viable to start uh, most businesses in a small town? Do you think that it's still uh, young enough where you're probably more likely to succeed if you move to a you know, a Silicon Valley or a New York, or I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? So Stu Kent is a funded startup, did the bootstrap thing with get found first, decided 
because of the longer sales cycle with Stucant and the amount of money we needed to put into developers that we would need to be funded. And uh, we were able to raise funding here. Seed round funding, angel investors are everywhere. Millionaires live everywhere. And they have 25, 50, 250 grand that they will bet on a, an entrepreneur they believe in. And so for us, fundraising wasn't hard in a small town. I did go down to uh, pitch multiple investors in Utah. Never once did they bring up that me being in Idaho was why they were choosing not to invest. Mm -hmm. It was, oh, we only do bigger deals. Your business doesn't seem like at this at, it's too early or you don't feel like the right fit for us for uh, we, you know, we're looking for the unicorns, the billion dollar businesses. And we, if we don't see that potential and the, the exact path of how you'd go get there, we're not interested. So, you know, some of that stuff, um, you could say, oh, well, maybe it had to do a little bit with Idaho and not Utah, but I don't think so. They were, they were way, they're more than willing to give me the stage and give me the chance. We were able to raise the funding, no problem through, um, local investors. Yeah. So I wonder, could it have even been an advantage to be here, being that you know, if you, if if, if there's a, an investor in a large city that is pitched twenty four seven on the next Snapchat or whatever it is, you know, billion dollar business, Silicon Valley, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you come to them with an idea that you know you can see this might be a hundred million dollar business one day, and they think it's too small. Do you think that being a big fish in a small town? where there's less investors, but they are more excited about, about an idea that may not be a billion dollar Snapchat idea. Do you think that that kind of played to your advantage? Yeah, they, there are fewer opportunities for them to invest in local businesses and they end up having to look for places to put their money outside of the community and they're happy to put it in. So we're kind of nearing the end here, or I was thinking that we might talk a little bit about uh, the future of Stukent of, of for you, um, what are kind of your hopes and aspirations and your goals for, you know, the next year to five years? Five years in today's world is a long time, <laughs> right? Uh, digital marketing will evolve a lot over the next five years. And we plan to keep up with it and provide content that will stay current. One of the big things in education right now is artificial intelligence and machine learning to improve the learning platforms and the technology. So you finish one of our simulation rounds and our s machine learns the types of decisions you make and why you make them and can give you advice on what you should be doing to do better in the next round. Huh. We noticed that you put your bids a little too low for those keywords and it's it seems to be affecting your average position in the ranks. Why don't you go make adjustments and consider optimizing your keyword bids? Wow. That, that type of machine learning and artificial intelligence that we can come up with and are already working on, we feel will make a big difference, not just in that one simulation instance that I just shared, but across the board for all sorts of feedback that students uh, thirst for that you really as a professor can't even give if you want to because of time and, and the ability to scale across. You know, I, I talked to a professor this weekend in San Francisco that has over a thousand students that he teaches marketing to every semester. Wow. And if you're teaching that many students, how do you give them any solid feedback? You know, they're going to turn in assignments and TAs that aren't PhDs are going to read it and try to give some feedback, but mostly just assign grades and move on, yeah. right? 
if machines can do that at scale, that changes the way we can educate the world. Yeah, that's really so. So kind of being the digital marketing expert, if am I allowed to call you that? <laughs> sure, if you want to, because <laughs> you are, man. Let's just call I can't, it as long it as is. I'm not calling myself one. I, I'm, I'm allowed to call you that, right? Um, wh- where do you see kind of the future in uh, of digital marketing? I mean, obviously you're you're mostly concerned with the the students in college trying to figure it out. Um, there's also people. Uh, maybe they already graduated, they have businesses, they work for businesses, and they know that digital marketing is something they need to take advantage of. Um, Where do you see the future with that? What should people be focusing on right now? I would start with the basics. Make sure that you've given yourself a history, where it's been, where it is today, before you go worry about where it's going. First, go get that under your belt because everyone else that started 10 years ago has that on you. And so you got to start there. Uh, once you have that, then look to the platforms. They have training on each individual platform that you can go get on your own. You can look to resources like ours. We're pretty heavily focused on just helping the educator so they can help the students. And so, like that's our mission. We're really trying to stay focused on that. You can go to stukent.com and see the material. We have some expert sessions where industry experts from Bing and um, Columbia Sportswear and other brands have gone in, Florida Panthers, for example, IBM, that they're talking to for free. And there's tons of free online videos and that material's there and available. I would say also that another thing that's important to consider is that you need to get technical if you're going to be an expert. Gone are the days when you can simply be creative in the way you write your ad text, the copy for the ad. That's not enough to be a good digital marketer anymore. And so you better know Excel inside and out. You better know uh, the tools, the SEO and PPC tools very well. And you can follow companies like Search Engine Land that cover the news of the industry as it evolves. I recommend Search Engine Land, Search Engine Journal. Uh, PPC Hero is a great one if you're into pay-per-click advertising. If you follow the people I follow on Twitter, you'll find as well there that they're sharing the, the important relevant information. One last piece of advice for uh, us. Let's, let's do aspiring entrepreneurs. They've got an idea. Um, they haven't taken the full plunge yet. It's just an idea. What's uh, maybe your go-to piece of advice for someone who's never done this before and they really want to do something with their idea? It doesn't matter what the lawyers and accountants tell you until you have sales. There's no need to go do all the business paperwork. Don't let all of the fears of licensing your business and getting insurance on your business and taxes. And don't worry about figuring all that stuff out. Those guys are going to come find you and tell you what you have to do. If you're selling, if you're making revenues and generating profits, the government's going to come for the taxes. The attorneys are going to come with all their ideas of how you can go sue other people. Don't worry about that stuff. Worry about selling. If you have something that customers want and they're paying you for it, then is the time and only then to worry about the details. That's great advice, man. So if anyone wants to kind of follow along uh, you or Stukent, where where should they go to, to kind of follow along on what you're doing? Yeah, so we're at Stukent App on Twitter. Also LinkedIn. I'm Stuart Draper on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you there. So. All right. Thank you so much for doing this today, Stu. Yeah, glad Appreciate to be here. It. Thanks, Kyle. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed this, feel free to give us a rating on iTunes and subscribe to hear more stories from entrepreneurs who are starting businesses in small towns. 
see you later.